January 1974. They'd just moved in two months prior. My partner and I were first on the scene. He was feeling for a light when something bumped him. That's when we found the little girl hanging from this pipe. Jesus. I found someone to take over who would be very good for the BSU. He wants to expand the unit, and he intends to make our approach practice. Tell me, who's the one you want more than anything? Manson. I'll get you, Manson. This is $100,000, and it's all yours if you help us identify the persons behind the murders of our children in Atlanta. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Lug Dog Podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com. Today, we're discussing season two of Mindhunter, season finale. We've watched the entire thing, so if you haven't watched it, go first watch Mindhunter season one. And then we can talk about it a little bit before we go into full-on spoilers of Mindhunter Season 2. But uh, in a quick wrap-up, I would say that Mindhunter Season 2 is one of those uh, series that actually go above and beyond their first season. I, a lot of times, find it very difficult for uh, uh, television especially to out—not just television, movies as, uh, as well, but— for the second sequel or for the sequel to outdo the original movie or story or original uh series season one um but this this absolutely goes above and beyond and i think it does a little bit better than uh, mindhunter uh season one season one of mindhunter was all about kind of uh the interviewing of all these uh killers and stuff like that crazy psychopaths that type of thing um Season two has much more of uh, a a line, B line, and the C line. Um, the C the C storyline still has to do with the one character that we have been um, following for a handful of minutes at the beginning of beginning of each episode, which has has to do with uh, the BTK killer, and it um, revolves around what what is the uh, Oh yeah, BTK killer was identified as uh, Dennis Raider, um, a guy in uh, Kansas who ended up killing ten people over the course of uh, it looks like almost twenty years. Let me see, is it twenty years? It, it's it's a very long time he had been doing it. Um, but anyways, at the end of season one. You are kind of expecting that the BTK killer is going to uh, kind of come to a head. But if you know anything about the uh, real-life story of um, the BTK killer, he's not caught until, you know, spoiler alert, until 1991, and we're still in the middle of the 80s. So from the C-plot, we do not get full definitive answers to this particular storyline. Um, it does... It does some of the best um, camera work and story work when it comes to showing this guy's just behavior and how weird he is and uh, just kind of strange behavior this guy has. And he's, he's probably only on screen a, a total of like 20 minutes uh, for the entire first two seasons. So um, that that character is played by... Let me see. Um, where is... I think he said it's like Sonny something. Let me see if I can find. Uh, 
damn it, I, I, I can't find the guy that plays the BTK killer, but it, once I do find it, I'll, I'll, I'll do the full explanation. But anyways, um, season two of Mindhunter was another excellent season. Um, uh, I thought the nine episode series worked excellent. The first series was 10 episodes. The first season was 10 episodes. I probably could have watched the full 10 episodes. Um, let's, uh, hop into the synopsis of episode one. So amid sweeping changes at the BSU, Holden deals with severe repercussions from his close encounter with Ed Kemper. So at the beginning of the season, it's very much, uh, bringing us back into the fold of what's going on with our main characters. Um, uh, oh, oh Lord, they don't have our main character. Okay. So, uh, Holden Ford played by Jonathan Groff and, uh, Holt McCauley who plays Bill Tench. These are our main two characters alongside, um, uh, a pretty stellar cast. I would say that really fills out what this, um, I will find everyone's name in two seconds. I don't understand why they couldn't give me everyone's name in... Oh, we found it. Sorry. It was Dr. Um, Wendy Carr is played by Anna Torf. I had no... I, I've never seen this actress. I thought she was um, someone else. I completely... Com I, I had gotten her mixed up with... Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate uh, Blanchett. I thought I thought that was Kate Blanchett the entire time. I, I don't know why I didn't I didn't even think twice about it. They look so much alike to me. I don't know why. I was just like, whoa. So uh, Anna Torf, yeah, uh, plays Wendy Carr, and uh, she's coming back in the second uh, second uh, season as well. Uh, her plot line has to do with kind of her sexuality and her kind of finding her place within her own job as well. And, uh, honestly, her, her storyline's a little bit on the weaker side. Um, she is hurt by the end of season two very much because of, uh, the relationship she ha ends up having throughout the course of season two with, um, the other bartendingly, what is her name? Uh, Lauren Glatzer, who plays Kay Manns, um, I like the relationship. They just didn't seem like they were ever going to be able to work anything out. So, uh, Holden is trying to get back on his feet at the beginning. Bill Tinch, he has some intense shit going on with his family. Um, by now, I expect you to have seen season two of Mindhunter. I'm talking spoilers. Um, somewhere around episode two or three, Bill finds out that his son has witnessed a murder that was uh, caused by some elder kids in the neighborhood. And it was Bill's son's idea to put the boy that had been murdered on a cross to see if that it would uh, resurrect him. Obviously, by that time, things had already gone way south. And uh, long story short, the kid ends up being, Bill's kid ends up being uh, traumatized. And... Because of that, it really puts a heavy impact on Bill's and his wife's marriage, mostly because of his son not becoming, not being responsive, 
And there's this whole underlying uh, message of him being uh, adopted or something like that. And the mother starts to have uh, spiteful feelings towards her ad adopted son. And, you know, saying like she's not responsible for the things he did because he was adopted. Some of the most heinous shit I thought I've, I've ever heard, especially uh, because I... I come from a, an adopted household I'm like to hear this shit made me almost actively angry to to hear that she would try to rid herself of any causality that her son had done the fact that he is adopted has literally zero to do with what the crime is and it absolutely drove me up the wall so as soon as bill's wife starts to introduce the fact that you know i don't have to take responsibility for our son's actions because you know he's not technically our blood son um that just drove me up the wall i was like fuck this lady get her out of here you know bill's wife's a is is the big c word in my opinion i just i was i was done with her get her out of here um and it seemed like there's this big underlying uh, story development. Uh, th there should have been this big story development throughout the season that would have kind of helped us introduce us to what was going on through her son's mind or through their son's mind. He's very withdrawn through the majority of the series, and he doesn't, you know, smile. He looks down, says very little, and. Uh, a lot of the Atlanta, quote-unquote, Atlanta child murders um, that were happening were starting to reflect back into Bill's personal um, family, and he was kind of correlating the killers to his son. And he was kind of getting upset, in a way that I was getting upset, to, to say that he was trying... His son was not trying to do anything deviant. And that's what really upsets me about the whole, the whole situation. Um, I will say the beginning, the entire series of season two did feel like we were headed for one, we were heading for a certain plot, but they went, we ended up kind of steering in a different direction. The first couple episodes, we're looking for the BTK killer and really talking about it and addressing some of these other killers that they, um, you know, like Charles Manson and Ed Kemper come back, um, but they really go to the to the length of interviewing some of these serial killers again and then kind of diverting their um, resources to try to find the Atlanta child murders. Um, it was interesting how that was happening. You know, the, I think her name was Tanya at the hotel and she was the one. It kind of felt like she was about to, she was interested in Holden for, you know, to go on a date but really she was really interested in him on him to come talk to all these uh mothers that had lost their children and stuff like that and so that was what really grasped me i was like oh this is you know it it turned it's on it turned it on its head of what was really going on and i was like this is kind of interesting and so the more that it was happening the more i realized i had actually listened to the podcast that uh, revolved around the atlanta child murders and i had heard all about wayne williams and uh and I, I pretty much knew the entire season too, if you'd, uh, if you were familiar with the Atlanta Child Murders at all. But um, evidently, I mean, I could, I could even call before it happened. 
uh, you know, the type of evidence that they were going to find because it was the same evidence that they found in the podcast. So a lot of this stuff in season two is lifted straight from uh, real life. Um, I will say the guy that played uh, Wayne Williams did an excellent job. He did have this kind of... Uh, he never admits that he's guilty. It, even the real Wayne Williams never did, but there was just so many like small little clues that would tip you off in that direction. And uh, the guy that was playing it did an excellent job of kind of holding that back the majority of the time. Let me see if I can find the guy's name. Christopher Livingston. Wow, I can't even recognize this guy. It doesn't look anything like that. Um, no glasses, no afro, no nothing. And uh, he was in something called Servicemen and Unforgettable. Uh, he, he, I thought he did an excellent job. Um, let me see anyone else that we got to check out on here. Yeah, um, I had some people... Uh, oh, I had some people. I had Kelly telling me that she thought it was the... Uh, the mayor, which I thought that would be kind of too on the nose a little bit, you know, too movie-like, but it, this is also based on real life, so it, it, it couldn't have been the mayor, um, based on history, um, or at least there was nothing that was said that there was. Um, I did, uh, find it relatively interesting, the, uh, the fact that it's, uh, Holt that's really insistent on, Holden is really insistent on trying to find uh, a black um, individual that would be fitting that would fit the profile of the killer, mostly because um, all of the black community within the show was very set on it being a KKK member, which I didn't want to. I I can see why it would be very difficult to say. We're looking for a suspect, and it looks like someone in your community. And that would be extremely difficult for someone that is a mayor or, you know, on city council or something like that. So, yeah, um, the elements, the timing, the history, it's all there. This is all really loosely. I'd say it's loosely based in history, but it is very much grounded in some of the real life places. Um, just like the, uh, Dennis, uh, Dennis Raider, the, uh, BTK killer, they keep showing specific times, uh, sorry, specific places he is in. And as a viewer, I'm just like, I don't know all these places in Kansas. And they just keep showing Kansas in really big font. And, uh, I'm like, I, you know, what is, what does Kansas have to do with Atlanta? And so, uh, kind of getting this behind the scenes perspective of understanding who the hell we were actually watching at the beginning of the seasons. Uh, is 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 helpful, um, so uh, I you know I'm glad that they were able to to find uh, as much information as they could about the child Atlanta child murders. Um, I think the podcast I was listening to was called uh, Atlanta Monster or something like that. It, it was a really good podcast, but it was it was kind of difficult to listen to at some points. Um, so yeah. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Lucky Dog Podcast. Check out all the Lucky Dog Podcasts at uh, Lucky Dog Podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Um, we have tons of other stuff coming down the tube. We have a couple new aftercasts. We checked out uh, Travis Scott's Look Mom, I Can Fly documentary on Netflix. Um, if you like some more Netflix, check out um, 
uh, Money Heist, uh, Netflix's Spanish Bank Heist series. Um, also, we checked out uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Jackie Brown, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, Money, uh, like I said, Money Heist, Season 3, Lion King 2019. We got it all coming down, too. So thank you for listening to the Luggedog Podcast. Um, check out all the other Luggedog Podcasts. Links are down below. Donate, paypal.me slash Podcast. Uh, email, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram. Links all down below. I appreciate everyone listening to uh, the Look It All podcast. We have uh, tons of people coming in from uh, the States, as usual, Canada, Germany, the UK, Pakistan, Egypt, South Africa, Nigeria, Mexico, Morocco. They're all coming in hot. Thank you all for all listening. You're helping us all grow, expand, and learn. Thank you for listening to the Look It All podcast. We've got 19 dead black children. You telling me that's a coincidence? One more thing, Manson is small, like really small. Try not to stare.